On this week's episode, the Oscar race has begun for some AAA blockbusters. What's the truth behind the sales of the Nintendo Switch? And what is the legacy of SpongeBob? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the chairperson in charge of Humanica Media. You got to check out all the great things going on at HumanicaMedia.com. Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Hey, man, it's been a great week for us, and I got to give a big shout out to Podbean, and I know you want to as well. Right, right, right. Yeah, we're on the feature wall. Thanks for downloading. Hope you keep coming back for more. It's been been a good week, man. All those uh, hits have been skyrocketing, so we are grateful. Thank you. We've garnered over 100 new subscribers, and I want to welcome each and every one of you to our shows. Just cannot thank you enough for doing so and taking the time to give us a try, and we hopefully will keep you coming back each and every week as we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture. And once again, I want to give a big thank you to Podbean for making us the podcast of the week. We just truly cannot thank them enough for taking the time for recognizing our shows and also our channel in doing so. And we just truly appreciate all the influx of everyone out there coming in and and giving us that warm love that we so truly, truly appreciate each and every time out. Not only the new listeners that we've gotten to the show now and the new subscribers that we've gotten, but also to everyone who has stuck it out with us for all these months and actually over two years now. So we just truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. It is going to be a great show we've got for you today. We've got Rob McCallum coming back in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire here in a little bit. Plus also as well, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. He is stopping by for a little bit more in depth when we're talking about getting prepared for that playoff run because fantasy football playoffs are right around the corner and he's going to be talking a little bit about some strategies you want to employ, especially with week 13 in the NFL coming right around the corner. But first, my friend, we've got a lot to talk about when it comes to, well, it's December and the Oscar race has already begun. The Hollywood trade papers and Hollywood trade sites, they're already just flashing out those those words that you hear only around this time of year for your consideration. For your consideration, this actor, this actress, this movie, this director, this writer, yada, 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 yada. You're seeing that all out there now. But I want to tell you, this year looks like, at least until now, that it's a kind of a disappointing year when it comes to art films, when it comes to high-ranking films that are supposed to garner that Oscar buzz. A lot of those movies which we thought would garner that Oscar buzz 
unfortunately has not up until this point. So I ask you, my friend, I'm throwing this out there and we can just talk a little bit about this. What are your thoughts about possibly some of the triple A blockbusters that we have seen and we have loved and appreciated over the course of 2018? What about them getting some love? And you know, you can name off some few that you like, and I know I will as well. So tell me your thoughts, man. Do you think this could be the year the AAA blockbuster can actually reach a new level of greatness and actually be in the hunt for an Academy Award? Well, it's weird because you might, I think you just said this, but there haven't been a lot of artsy films out there this year. And if they have been released, they've been released on streaming platforms because it's cheaper and it's more, I guess, economical for a lot of filmmakers. So, Well, there's also ones that have been released and that just have not gone over well with critics and or the public as well. Are we talking about like Annihilation? Then, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree there. <laughs> First Man, that one was supposed to garner a lot of Oscar buzz. That one did not. Bohemian Rhapsody as a film will probably not get consideration. Remy Malek as Freddie Mercury will, but the movie itself is not going to be probably considered because it's been panned quite a bit by a lot of critics out there. So there's been a few others that just have not met up to the usual standards. Mind you, we're just heading into December now, and it's just starting off the month where a lot of other films are really garnering because the last day to send a film out there is Christmas. So you're going to see a couple more films here and there put into the limelight when it comes to that Oscar consideration. Green Book, which was also another movie that was trying to get that Oscar buzz, unfortunately, due to some ill-choice words by Viggo Mortensen, that kind of puts that one probably out of the running as well. So your thoughts on some big films that maybe actually now might slide into there, because I've got a few I'm thinking of, but I know you've got some too. So Screen Daily put out an article that shows like what they think are going to be uh, nominated for things. Like, you know, you got your first man, like you're talking about uh, other ones I've heard of. A Star is Born. I know we discussed that one a little bit. So- I think A Star is Born is probably a heavy favorite at this point in time, if any. But First Man, because of its disappointing results at the box office, I think that's going to take away a lot of interest into the film for one reason or another, although that shouldn't be the be-all, end-all. People usually shouldn't look at what a movie does, per se, but sometimes that actual performance of the film financially does get in the way of people thinking, hey, this is actually a worthy contender for an Oscar. Well, aren't Oscars usually low, low box, have low box office numbers? Like, uh, I mean, they're not astounding by any means, but they're not like, you know, they usually make below 100 million right and not always not always because you got gladiator that made quite a bit of money at the box office and there's been a few from time to time that have but like you said for the most part the winners of the best picture for an oscar have traditionally been thought of very well have been movies that really don't hit those high watermarks when it comes to the box office out there that's why earlier this year, the Academy announced that they were going to do that popular movie category, which everybody totally trashed, and they actually got rid of shortly after. Yeah. I, okay. So I, I'm just going to go out here and say this. I do not think Black Panther deserves an Oscar. Like, I just, I absolutely, I don't. You know, it's a, besides like the the all African-American cast, that's what sets it apart from the other Marvel movies. Other than that, like, I don't even put it in my top 10. It was good, but it wasn't great. You know, I feel about that. The same way I feel about Wonder Woman is that it's 
it didn't really bring anything new to the fray. It was good, but it wasn't something that I would nominate for an Oscar. As far as movies that have been out, even big flicks, like I, you know, there's not a lot that I would deem worthy of a reward. And that's kind of sad, I guess. I, I think A Quiet Place should get something for sound. But, you know, other than that, like a lot of these, even the big budget movies have been not terrible, but they haven't been something to be like, oh, that deserves an award. What do you think, though? Because I know, like, are we talking movie like Marvel films and Jurassic Park and things like that? Uh, well, could- I, I will tell you, I think Black Panther is going to get a lot of buzz. I'm sorry to disappoint you on that. I thought the film was very good, very strong. It was still behind what I thought Avengers Infinity War is. And I think Avengers Infinity War had a little bit more to tackle as far as what it needed to accomplish for, for the audience out there. And I think that movie should get a lot of acclaim and should get a lot of interest and Oscar buzz because I think it's very worthy because it's such a, a, it was such a huge undertaking by the Russo brothers. But I think of the two Marvel movies, I think actually the Oscar buzz might be going to Black Panther for one reason or another. I just think, I, I think both movies are very good, very strong, and probably will get some type of interest when it comes to the end of the year balloting. Right, right. And like, don't get me wrong, Black Panther had a lot of like stellar actors in it. You know, they like these are actors who have proven themselves time and time again and how they got like, you know, the likes of Forrest Whitaker and, uh, you know, Michael B. Jordan, even though that's not like his, you know, his normal gig was still pretty good in that movie. So it's there. there's a lot of high caliber acting in it. But other than that, like I just I honestly it's it was just it not even like a top five Marvel movie to me. But, that you know, that's just that's just me. And I'm a you know, I'm a, I'm a huge comic book fan, you know, and I, I the social stuff doesn't really mean as much to me as everybody else. But, you know. I get why people like it, but I personally don't think that it deserves an award above Infinity War. I think it was in my top five, but you're right. For me, Infinity War was a little bit higher on my list of Marvel movies, and I think it should get more interest than Black Panther. But I think Black Panther, for whatever reason that you may say, whether it's, like you said, social reasons, what have you, is if any blockbuster is going to get interest out there, I think that's probably going to be the one that's going to get it. But also, I think Incredibles 2, yes, it's an animated film, but I think that was very well done. I just cannot say enough good things about that film. I think that should get a lot of interest, and I think that's if any Pixar movie is ever going to just go over that hump and become that movie that's going to reach into a broader market than just whatever best animated film that they actually get any interest from, because sometimes they get shut out of that as well. I think that Incredibles 2, at least it should get to the part where it becomes a nominated film for a Best Picture because I think it could be among the top 8 to 10 best films that are out there. I am so happy that they got rid of the popular film category. It just seems like it was just a a, a cheap way to get people interested in the Oscars. And I'm glad that they got rid of that real quick and they actually never it never came to fruition. But... I think this year of any that if there's any time a blockbuster film like a mega, mega hit that's out there actually gets enough interest as an art film that it will get that nomination for Best Picture. I think this is the year that we're going to see possibly a Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Incredibles 2, A Quiet Place or another movie of that ilk that does those high numbers. 
we're going to see actually one or two of those movies pop up in that alignment as far as the Best Picture nominations are concerned. So as this is a weird year for Oscars, let me ask you this. Do you think that Netflix films should start making the ballot? You know what? I actually think it should. If if it's a well enough movie and it actually does, because I think the, the requirement is what? Two to four screens. It has to play in LA and New York by Christmas. That's the deal in order for it to be considered. So if it does that, I don't see why not. And another thing I want to ask you when it comes to movies that have been already reviewed very highly, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is getting rave reviews and some are even calling it, I've seen this across across the internet or whatnot, I've seen some calling it one of the best, if not the best superhero movie ever. So a lot of people are really into that as far as critics that have seen it already. So that could be a movie that is so well and so profound that it should be considered maybe one of the top 10 films of the year. Will it actually even get a nomination for best animation or should it even be considered for a best film right there? I mean, you and I are going to probably be checking that out now with all the hype and all the, all the goodwill and all the good love for that in December. So we got to take a look and see if that one's going to be able to be in the mix for a best picture nomination too. Here's my thing with that. I don't because, you know, honestly, as, as, a, as a kid who came up in the 90s, I absolutely am thrilled with the idea of an animated Spider-Man movie. That is no question, hands down about that. But when this kind of thing happens, I want to read opinions, not by journalists, but I want to know the opinions of comic book fans because they're the ones who are going to tell you the honest truth. You know, there's not like a there's no I don't want to say agendas, but there's no agendas at play. There's no like pressure to say something to fit into like a, you know, a certain category or whatever. Comic book fans, if they like this movie, then that's going to give it so much credit. And I hope they do. But like, I want to read, I want to know what they think of it because, you know, every journalist out there seems to be saying this movie's good, but this is a movie that was made for comic book fans, you know? So I want to hear their opinions of it. And that'll be. I'm kind of I've been scouring sites looking for that stuff. So I'm hoping to come across something soon. I think this could be a great year for popular movies, movies that you would think outside the box of when it comes to an art film or what comes to a film that would be strongly considered for a movie that should be in the mix for best picture. Because right now, like I said, it is December. It's already kicked off as far as the Oscar race is concerned. And a lot of people are looking forward to going ahead and and being you know in the mix as far as with their films. Because like I said, there are some disappointing films out there that had great intentions on being involved in that mix. As I don't think Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, and some others maybe you're just pretty much out of the mix at this point. Maybe you can throw in First Man, but I think it's box office disappointment will probably weigh heavily on a lot of voters. I think A Star is Born is probably the leading contender right now. I mean, I am live in Vegas. We're betting town. And I'd probably say that right now the house money is on A Star is Born to be the leader of the pack when it comes to the movies that are well thought of at, as the best pictures of the year so far coming into december so what are your thoughts on a star is born do you think that might be number one or do you think something else like a quiet place or something else that we caught during the course of the year or something else that you heard about during the course of the year might be a bigger threat to get and to garner that oscar come 2019 
Okay, so what? Remember the movie where it was um, "Sorry to Bother You," right? Was that the one? The people working at the call center were you like using "quote unquote" white voices to to sell things. You know what I'm talking about? That movie was good. Like that was really funny. So I would like to see that get nominated for something. I'd love to see a Quiet Place get nominated. I do think that Star is Born. See, the thing about music films is that they always get nominated for something. If it's a if it's good and it's well put together, it tells a good story, it's always going to get nominated for something. You got Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges. You got Walk the Line with Joaquin Phoenix. Like these movies are notorious for doing very well, especially if they have great talent attached to them. So I don't see any reason Starsborn would not get nominated for something, especially on like a at a time when there's not like a lot of there's not a lot of artsy films, you know, there's no three billboards or you know some of those other ones that they weren't well known there's not a lot of that out this year so yeah a star is born definitely i see winning something you know in a quiet place like i said earlier i hope it gets something for sound editing because they did a very great job with that going into december there is still some films as it gets closer to the end of the year that are only put out just before christmas so they can qualify for next year's oscar race is there any movie that you're seeing that's coming up on the horizon that you're looking forward to actually catching or hearing more about that you think will be heavily involved in that mix? Possibly for me is Welcome to Marwin with Steve Carell. I've seen trailers already for that, and that looks very interesting. That one is a Robert Zemeckis film, and I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Is there any film that's coming up in December that you think might qualify for maybe a top spot Aquaman, I'm really digging, but I don't think it's going to be up there. But is there any other film out there? Even Mary Poppins Returns, that's got a lot of buzz out there as well. I think that Cree 2 should get nominated for something because that was an excellent film. You know what I would honestly like to see succeed is Mortal Engines. I don't know what it is. It looks like every anime that's ever been made, but real life. But I just want to see it do well because there's not a lot of fantasy movies out, especially steampunk type fantasy movies out. and I just I have a lot of hope that that will will do okay. But other than that, you know, it's just Mary Poppins uh, looks interesting. Uh, Aquaman looks cool, but yeah, I'm really pulling for uh, Mortal Engines, man. I don't know how do you feel about that one. I'm kind of disappointed. Peter Jackson himself is not directing the film. He's just overseeing it in a production standpoint. I know his name has been plastered all over the place when it comes to any promotion when it comes to this film. So you almost feel like. His hands are on all over the picture and is, and he's actually directing it, but he's not directing it when it comes to taking a look at everything involved with Mortal Engines. It does have his fingerprints all over it, however, and I'm, I'm hopeful that that movie will actually become something of a series and that will actually do well enough to generate a series. With Mortal Engines, you do have that Peter Jackson influence because it's his production company, like you were saying. And I'm hopeful that it will actually come to fruition as a good movie, as a positive movie, as something that we can go forth with maybe more entries into it. Because I'd like to see a new series come out. I think of anything that I see coming on the horizon, I think Welcome to Marwin, the story that's going to be headed up by Steve Carell. I think if anybody gets to take a chance to see the trailer out there, I think it shows some promise. I think Robert Zemeckis, we've all seen some great work from him before in the past with some of his pictures. And I look forward to actually taking a look at what Welcome to Marwin is going to be all about as far as the world he lives in now and the world that caused him to sustain injuries 
and also the fantasy world that he lives in that helps him get through whatever dark times he's he's going through with, within the movie. So it's it's a kind of interesting dichotomy right there that I'd like to see play out. Could be something that's very strong as far as a movie's concerned. And if it is, I think it would be the first time that we're really going to hear some serious buzz for Steve Carell for being a, a lead actor nomination for the Oscars. I know he's he's gotten a nomination for, before for Foxcatcher, I believe, but this time he's, he looks like he might, you know, if it's if all is well and good, I think maybe this time this this could be the pick that might get him over the hump. But we'll have to wait and see. He also he was also a beautiful boy, which has gone under the radar as a lot of good favorable buzz on that. But there's a lot of good pictures out there that were AAA blockbusters that might get consideration this year. So any last thoughts on any movies you think might still get some love out there? But I think overall, because it's been a weak year for the art film overall, I think this could be the year that you're going to see a big name movie actually get played out and get a lot of momentum behind it and a lot of buzz as a true Oscar contender this year. You know what? I I do want to do it, give a special shout out because I think that I know we had you and I were on the same page on this film and we had mixed feelings about it. But I think Ready Player One should get something for special effects. Say what you want about the story and the things missing from the book, but they really did go above and beyond to create something that really pulled you out of this world and engrossed you in that one. I agree. The first and third parts of it, as far as the first and third challenges were tremendous and awe-inspiring and i was in the theater for that and especially when he put on the glasses the first time and you zapped into that world you actually were enveloped into it for a short period of time and that first challenge that was there was just truly just an awesome experience that i will not forget and the final challenge as well was where it all came together that was incredible i the that was just awe-inspiring won't talk about the middle parts again because Rob will just get mad at me because we'll go off on a tit for tat as far as he loves it. I didn't love it. But the first and the third parts I thought were very, very strong. And and like you said, all that pop culture just culminating on screen and Steven Spielberg deserves a great pat in the back for that. Other than that, though, honestly, man, like I imagine when we get closer to the end of the year here, we're going to talk about you know our favorite movies of the year. But I've you know, I'm looking at my list. I've only seen 19 movies this year, so uh, not, not as many as I would like, but that's the list. Better get cracking then because our best of the year list is coming right around the corner, my friend. I'm also going to get a lot of input from other individuals out there, hopefully within the pop culture and podcasting realm. See if I can round up some thoughts on, on people's thoughts on, on the best movies or video games or television shows or whatever that they liked in 2018. So Hopefully we can get some good vibes over the month of December, not only on our picks, but everyone else's as well. What are your thoughts out there on AAA blockbusters actually getting some love this year in the Oscar race? Do you like the fact that Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Incredibles 2, A Quiet Place, A Star is Born will actually get a lot of love from Oscar voters this year? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Before we head to the break and right after getting into the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire with Rob McCallum, want to make sure and let everybody know again on December 15th, if you're in the Henderson or Las Vegas area, 
to please stop on by for Retro City Games. It's a great holiday charity game event that we're hosting 12 to 8 p.m. that day. We're going to be having tournaments in Fortnite, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, and also Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Vettius is going to be there. Hyperschmidt and Trudie are going to be there playing their great music. Just going to be a great time. Going to be prizes. Going to be all the great stuff. We just need to go ahead and also mention that there's we need your contributions either from a sponsorship standpoint or if you can you're going to be there that day on the 15th or anytime at all you can drop off donations of any kind money canned food or new toy donations because those donations go to the make-a-wish foundation they also go to three square of las vegas for canned foods and the umc children's hospital in nevada for new toy donations you got to do it when you can. We just truly appreciate any donation that you might be able to give. Even if you're not going to be able to attend, anything you can provide is just truly appreciated. Just stop by Retro City Games in Henderson. You'll be glad you did. And we'll hopefully we'll be able to see you on the 15th of December as well. Coming up next, like I said, it is Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. And then a little later on, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast breaks down fantasy football as well. This is the PCC Multiverse. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speed run or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. And back with the Cosmic Crossfire. But it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without the man. You got to check out everything going on today at his site, robmccallumfilms.com, which gives you the latest and greatest on what's going on in his world when it comes to all of his films, all of his documentaries, all of his projects coming up, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Rob McCallum. We're here to talk about pop culture and you're the man to talk to when it comes to that right there. So pray tell, Rob, what's in your mind when it comes to pop culture? One of the things that uh, all this ties around, you know, whether it's Wreck-It Ralph, the Dumbo trailer, the emergence of Disney in different streaming places, is the mark of Disney service and excellence. When you go to a Disney theme park, it's like you've never been anywhere else before. I'm sure, Gerald, you know, you have a reason why you keep going back to Disneyland. You know how you're going to be treated. You know how operations are going to be run. Everything from how you park in their parking lots to how you disembark a tram, how you queue in a line, signage, information, fast passes, how all that works is down to the T and there's systems that work and there's no competition anywhere in the world when you visit one of these parks. Is it matched on the big screen, do you think? The attention to detail and the way things are run isn't matched on the big screen. And why or why not? 
No, it hasn't because there's, I think there's too many floating parameters when it comes to what you're talking about as far as all these projects that are coming onto the screen and, and are they given the same kind of Disney love or even Paramount love or, you know, any of these large universal or any of these large companies, there's just too many ideas floating around. There's too many hands in the kitty. There's too many producers, too many directors having their own ideas, too many actors wanting to go ahead and acting out certain, certain way. There's just too many possibilities for a movie to go one way or the other for it to be controlled in a certain fashion. Disney tries its best to corral a certain image when it projects its movies on screen, but even then it still had some trouble as far as certain movies are concerned. I know you've loved The Last Jedi, but I know a lot of people don't love The Last Jedi, for instance. Solo, a Star Wars movie, I kind of liked it. I know a lot of people that out there maybe didn't like it or didn't even see it because of certain issues. So Disney, in its theme park setting, it's controlled. And they, whether it's edicts that have been handed down by actual Disney himself when he was alive, or they've been created and developed over the course of time, from the point that you go ahead and drive or walk onto their property, they have your attention. They have controlled exactly what they want you to do as far as and where they want you to go. And to maximize not only efficiency-wise for a large populace to go ahead to these theme parks day in day out but also for them to maximize their own profitability so it just makes sense that they're able to go ahead and control it and they i don't say they perfected it but they go ahead and continue and try and provide the best experience possible not only for them but for their consumers also i mean the other argument you could make is that disney is doing at least the best of the competition in terms of what fits on the silver screen between everything that pixar and marvel releases plus their own fare. I mean, they should always be that leading contender just like they are in the theme park experience. Rob, it's always great to have you right here in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back. This is the PCC Multiverse. Once again, this is Gerald coming right back at you here. If you need a listing of where we're at anytime at all, just check us out on our Facebook page, Pop Culture Cosmos. You'll see a scheduled listing of where and when we're being played out because we're being played seven days a week on over 15 different radio stations around the world. We're also on over 30 different podcast networks, including Podbean, which again, we cannot thank enough for making us the podcast of the week. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So tell me, my friend, what is all the great things going on with your experience known as Humanica Media? I'll tell you, man. Just working hard to get stuff ready for the uh, the Christmas event and also top. I feel like Loverboy should be just playing right now in the back of my head. Working for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, without besides that, all, yeah, hey, always working on something, man. Always working. I just put up two days ago the second part of the tribalism in the church episode we did with Travis Carrero of What About This on Topic Topicocalypse. Definitely 
check that out if you want to get a little controversial and hear big dog interrupt me 30 times before the episode's over you'll just hear a lot of me going eh, eh, wait but eh, as big dog is continually talking over me so go ahead and tune into that one if you're down for that yeah other than that we got some more topic clips going up this week and stay tuned because there's bigger things on the horizon that i'm working on that i haven't made any announcements yet but uh you'll, you'll hear about it soon and you'll hear about it either on this show or our site popculturecosmos.com everybody's working for the weekend everybody wants to start a new romance hey hey hey, hey. okay i had enough anyways the nintendo switch has had an up and down year so far in 2018 i'm going to give you the good and we'll start off with the really good when it comes to the nintendo switch their sales from black friday through cyber monday were through the roof better than any other Nintendo console, including the Nintendo Wii, which we all know out there is one of the biggest, if not the biggest all time selling console. So everything was great, right? Everything's great with Nintendo, everything, they're, they're meeting all their sales. Well, hold on a minute. Over the course of 2018, their sales were not strong enough their projections are about going to hit maybe about two to three million less units over the course of the fiscal year that they were supposed to meet. So I ask you, my friend, with the good news in that short time period and the not so good news in the longer period, what does that say about the Nintendo Switch? I mean, we called it as far as that it would probably be a good holiday for Nintendo Switch, but when your overall sales are not as great as you want them to be, what does that tell you about the future of the Nintendo Switch and how much interest people have with it? I mean, I don't think it says terrible things. I think it's more a matter of Nintendo Switch puts out how many new games a month, like physically. They do, I want to say, three or four like titles that people really care about that much. I mean, and Pokemon did astounding numbers from what I understand, but... It, it really just goes to show you that like there is a market for independent games, but it's, I don't think it's on Nintendo Switch, you know, and that's I know they, they take care to uh, curate their their collection. But a lot of these indie games, I, I know a lot of people say, I'm just going to play it on Steam when it comes out, you know, so that's an issue, I think, for them. And do, do they the numbers you just told me, do they count the Black Friday sales? Because I know they had a lot go on sale on Black Friday. Like I said, the sales for their Black Friday through Cyber Monday were the highest ever for the company. They even beat whatever the Wii U or even the Wii, even the Nintendo Wii did not garner as much sales during the Black Friday period as what the Nintendo Switch has done. So at least as far as from that perspective, that's a good thing. But the fact that they had to do all that at such a high rate and are still behind so far from what they projected to be that can't be altogether a happy, peace-loving thing as far as their their overall numbers are concerned. Do you think they were putting too much pressure on games like Mario Tennis Aces and Mario Party, like some of these smaller ones? I know uh, that you know you put out crashes as a, a nostalgia thing, but as far as like those games go and like the remaster of Dark Souls, do you think they were counting too much on those to make a, a bulk of the projected income versus how much they actually sold? I think so. Plus, I think on the front end of the year, I think they were counting on Super Mario Odyssey and Super Mario Kart 8 Deluxe 
I think they were counting on those titles to generate more income for them with more sales of the actual console during the front end of the year. I think that's what probably set them back is in the first three, four, five months of the year when we saw PlayStation 4 still continuously become the number one seller in the United States month after month after month as far as the early part of the year. That told me right there that the Nintendo Switch still with its price point was a little bit out of people's reach as far as what they wanted to spend. But come holiday, now that they bundled that Super Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and you get that $60 value, plus entities like Target was giving away a gift card on top of it and GameStop was giving a gift card on top of it. Those type of incentives made it a lot easier and more attractive for people to buy a whole ton of Nintendo Switches during the Black Friday season. But yeah, I think it just goes to show how important the first six months of the year is as opposed to just that time period that we're seeing now as far as holiday sales are concerned. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, man. And two, like it, it seems to me like a lot of people are not doing all their Christmas shopping on Black Friday as they did in years past. And, you know, I, I expect to see those sales kind of go up as we get closer to Christmas. But who, who really knows, man? And the Switch was not really the, you know, Sony and Xbox had big discounts on their consoles, whereas the Switch was kind of a small one. And you had to really spend the extra money for the for you know whatever bundle it came with too so that is definitely a factor and and i remember too working at best buy and i've seen them do this at target too but the bundles the gaming bundles they will actually remove those and they will make you make it so you have to buy something else attached to it so whether it's one of their services or their an extra controller or an extra game they will tie it all together during the holidays so you can't just get the bundle you can't just get the the Nintendo Switch with Super Smash Brothers. You have to, the only way they'll let you purchase it is if you buy it with all the controllers and stuff with that. So I don't think that helps either. No, it doesn't. I, although when I was at GameStop on Black Friday, they were, for the most part, asking for it at the point of sale, but they were still keeping the bundles, people that were, were selling it because it's a download code involved. It's not a cartridge you can just rip out of the box at this point in time. The Super 8 Mario Kart Deluxe was a download code that was actually just put in there. So, you know, they were at least able to go ahead. People that just wanted the, the console, whether at the GameStop, Target, what have you, were able to just get the console and they didn't have to buy anything extra. But you're right, they were pitching it heavily at GameStop. I saw that firsthand as far as all their other stuff that they have to go with with their circle of life or accessories or whatever they need to go ahead and accomplish when they try and ask you all these things. So. I do think that it is a good sign that Nintendo Switch is having a good holiday season. This is something that's not unexpected by you and I because we both ascertained that Nintendo Switch we thought was going to be probably the number one seller this holiday season. And I think it will very much be the number one seller this holiday season. But for the long term, I think people's thoughts out there that they were saying that it was going to be ahead of the Wii that it was eventually going to pull ahead of those sales, that it was going to actually pull ahead of the PlayStation 4. I think people may be a little bit revising that thinking now because at this point in time, it looks like it may not reach the level of success that the PlayStation 4 has this generation. 
Do you think that the Switch will surpass the PlayStation 4 as far as this generation? I think it will surpass the Xbox One, but I'm not, for my end, I'm not sure it will pass the PlayStation 4 as far as the lifetime of sales. Yeah, PlayStation has a big library of exclusive games, and that's kind of helped propel it to dominance in the, uh, you know, the current console generation. But also, they don't have a lot coming out towards the end of the year, so they're kind of banking on, you know, people picking up old games or you know adding to their back catalogs and stuff. Whereas the Nintendo Switch is also at a disadvantage because they don't have really a whole stock of original titles either. So they, you know, they have their expected Mario's and Pokemon and stuff like that, but yeah, that, that's interesting to me because if somehow Nintendo does catch up to PlayStation, that's going to be one of those things where maybe it might make Microsoft and Sony both look back into the handheld console thing. What, what do you think on of that? I think that will make them reevaluate that situation because if it does surpass the PlayStation 4's lifetime sales, then I think the key factor there is the viability and the portability that it creates as far as being that entity that you can take anywhere on the go, but still be, you know, you can just hook it up with an HDMI and boom, it becomes a generational console at the same time. Yes, it's underpowered compared to the other two. Yes, the online component is underwhelming compared to the other two, but People love that portable factor, and I know you have utilized that portable factor on many occasions, so it makes it really enticing. And ultimately, if it does surpass the PlayStation 4, I think that's going to be the reason why, not necessarily whatever Zelda or Mario title that gets thrown in with it. Yeah, and just the fact that they're relying so heavily on a Mario or Zelda title is not a very good business strategy either. So the, the, the end of the year will be interesting, or the end of this console generation will be interesting, because I... You know, Switch, with the exception of the alleged powered-up system that's coming out, they, I, I feel like Switch is going to be in their current state You know, long after the uh, PlayStation 5 and Xbox come out. I agree with you. The Switch will be a major contender, or probably the lower-price contender, when, like you said, PlayStation 5 and also the new Xbox, those two come out. The PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One will feel like the old Xbox 360 did, when it was the tail end of that generation. So I think that as long as people are still accepting of the fact that it's portable, and if we see PlayStation 4 being a portable unit or the new Xbox being a portable unit at the same time, then we know they've been heavily influenced by whatever sales the Nintendo Switch is getting right now. What are your thoughts out there on the Nintendo Switch? Are you happy to see it did so well over the holiday Or are you concerned that it's not going to have a great future long-term if it cannot meet its projected sales over the course of a fiscal year to two years that people are projecting it out to be? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Coming up next, we've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. He has some thoughts real quick on what you need to prepare for with your fantasy football team as it gets to the playoffs because they're right around the corner and he shares his thoughts on that. This is the PCC Multiverse. Mm, Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. 
Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheeliq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. PCC Multiverse listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD2. That's P-O-D and the number 2 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. Well, we wouldn't be talking fantasy football if it weren't for the fantasy football guru. (laughs) You can hear all of his thoughts each week on our full episodes of the Fantasy Football Pater podcast on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 different podcast outlets. Actually, you can talk to him on a personal level, get his thoughts, get his in-depth analysis, and also his opinions on waiver wire pickups. I think last-minute trades are out of the picture at this point in time, so lineup changes, waiver wires, plus also how you can prepare your team for the upcoming fantasy football playoffs by going over to the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group. You join up. And over 200 other fantasy football fans are there to interact with you, along with the guy who runs it all. His name is Tyler Baker. As far as, you know, what to do if you're in the playoffs and you're looking forward to getting into the playoffs, there are some things that you can do to give you a better shot in the playoffs. One of those would be if you're able to play three running backs a week, you don't need five, six running backs on your roster unless you have some viable, really good ones that you know, you're know you just going to play the mashups. I would recommend for your top running backs, go ahead and picking up the handcuffs. I have Melvin Gordon in a couple of leagues, and in all but one of them, I have Austin Eckler. And for a, uh, and you can look at this week as the reason why it looks like Melvin Gordon may miss some time. Thank God I have his backup. So if you have a guy like Saquon Barkley, that is, you know, your RB1, you're starting him every week, you may want to use one of your bench spots to go get Wayne Gallman because if Barkley goes down, you're going to want somebody that you can plug in and try to get that production out of. Whereas at this point in the season, you're not going to find a whole lot on the waiver wire. So backing up your stud running backs is probably a really good way to prepare your roster for the playoffs. I also tend to kind of stack up on defenses because the playoffs is, you know, anywhere from a four to a three week process there. And if you can go ahead and and identify some defenses that have a good matchup, maybe on one of those weeks in, in the playoffs, it's a really good time to go ahead and get that defense on your roster. So, you know, backing up your stud running backs, handcuffing receivers really doesn't work the way that it does with running backs. If you have a premier quarterback at this point, if you have a Mahomes or a Breeze, 
you probably don't need a backup quarterback at this point. You'll be able to find someone on the wa- waiver wire if it goes really bad. So little things like that, if you're kind of shaky at a position, like if you're shaky at tight end and you're all but streaming at this point, which a lot of teams are, I am in a couple of leagues streaming for the most part, you might want to use those roster spots, those bench spots to bring a couple tight ends. So just preparing your roster for the playoffs is a really good way to make sure that when you're in the playoffs and something bad happens, you'll be able to at least stay competitive. Now, one thing I want to ask you real quick, enlighten everybody out there, because I'm familiar with the lingo, but please let everybody know out there that may not be as familiar. Like you said, with especially if they're first time or mm-hmm. very new to the fantasy football scene of the practice known as streaming. Streaming is when you pretty much just play the matchups. And this happens a lot on defense. (laughs) I highly recommend not spending high draft capital on a defense. So what will happen is throughout the season, from week to week, you'll go out on the waiver wire and find a defense that has a good matchup. You know, like maybe a team that's playing the Jets or the Bills or, you know, one of these offenses that, or if a, you, you see that a team, their quarterback gets hurt and they have a backup playing, you know, you might want to identify that defense that's playing them and go ahead and roster them and play them for that week. But streaming is when you pretty much fill a starting position from the waiver wire every week. I do it quite a bit with defenses. I've done it some with tight end this season, but I know really, really good fantasy players that will stream quarterbacks. They they will put all of their draft capital in running backs, wide receivers, tight end skill positions, and kind of pretty much not draft a quarterback until really late and then end up streaming them through the season. It's a viable strategy. And Remember this season, Philip Rivers was going really, really late. <laughs> and I managed to get him in some leagues because I was putting all that draft capital into wide receivers and running backs. And I think that that's a really good strategy. And some of the best fantasy players that I know, they wait on a quarterback. Another little bit of lingo that I mentioned, the handcuff. Handcuff is when you have a running back and you also have his backup running back on your team. Well, let's take Melvin Gordon, for instance. Melvin Gordon got hurt this week. It looks like he's definitely not going to play next week, and it could be a little bit longer. His handcuff would be Austin Eckler. So if Melvin Gordon is not able to go, his backup Austin Eckler will come in. And you can expect maybe not the same production, but you can expect a lot of volume from a running back in a, in a system that uses the running back a lot. Now, some teams don't use the running back a lot, or there's just not someone with a talent level behind the starter that is worth rostering. An example might be Matt Breida at this point. If you have Matt Breida, are you going to handcuff Matt Breida? Probably not. I mean, Alfred Morris was an inactive today. You know, there's nobody behind him on the roster that is going to get the type of workload that he does. So handcuffing is a really good way to have security on your team. Now, I don't recommend handcuffing wide receivers because, you know, at at any point in an NFL game, there's two, three wide receivers on the field. So handcuffing them is just not as effective as it is for running back. And handcuffing also doesn't work for quarterbacks. So if you have Tom Brady, you don't want to roster his backup quarterback on your on on your roster because if Brady misses a game, you're probably better off going to the waiver wire to pick up a quarterback 
that could start for you if in the unfortunate event that that Brady can't go. My friend, it's just so great as always to have you part of the show right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. Once again, it is Gerald Glassford along with my good friend Josh Peterson. This is once again the PCC Multiverse. Thank you so much for sticking around and enjoying the show. We also got to give a big thank you to Rob McCallum for being in the middle once again of the Cosmic Crossfire and Tyler Baker of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast for sharing his thoughts. One last time, we got to thank Podbean for just going ahead and, and making us the podcast of the week. We hopefully will get that honor again. We're truly humbled and surprised by it and cannot thank them enough for not only making us the podcast of the week, but allowing us to be on the featured part of their podcast app. And, and all the people who came to us and started subscribing to us cannot thank you enough for taking the time to do so. Before we head on out, my friend, we've got to talk about the unfortunate death of Steven Hilleberg, who was the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants Dynasty, the SpongeBob SquarePants phenomenon. He was the one who started it all. His creation just... I guess it was a, you could say it was a staple of the nineties and early two thousands. Your thoughts on the legacy of SpongeBob SquarePants and the unfortunate untimely death at such a young age to a 57 for Steven Hilleberg. Yeah. SpongeBob SquarePants kind of rounded off a, you know, a pretty great era of cartoons on Nickelodeon. Like they, I've been watching this documentary and I guess back in the 90s like Nickelodeon was watched more than any of the big four like CBS NBC things like that obviously the OJ case was a big exception there but like just their cartoon programming you know between Rugrats Rocket Power Angry Beavers told by Ginger things like that Ren and Stimpy Ren and Stimpy yeah Spongebob was kind of like the came a little bit after those shows did but it it defined a whole era of cartoons like it rounded it out made a lineup that kids who grew up in that time will never forget. And Steven Hillenberg, like, I know he had some issues with the law a few times, but say what, but he, he was a, a genius. Like, and it's funny how I use that term. Like I, some would use that term loosely, but a genius, but like he took a talking sponge, a starfish and a squirrel and turned it into one of the greatest cartoons of all time. So you know, it's it's simplistic, but there's also a there also is a, a, a sort of genius behind it. And people will always remember him. And SpongeBob SquarePants ran for, what, 152 episodes. So that's impressive. Like, that's huge, especially in our current time when uh, think people just look past, you know, they they forget about things. They lose interest really quick. SpongeBob has is in the hearts and minds and imaginations of kids all over the world. And that's astounding. There was also feature films, too, that. Don't forget that actually did pretty good when it came to the box office for a what a lower budget animated feature would be. But uh, yeah, there's a legacy there. And I want to ask you this because I'm a little bit older, so I didn't have the connection 
to SpongeBob SquarePants. I've seen it, obviously was humored by it. I know my girls wanted to go ahead and see it, but maybe they were just a little bit on the other end of it as far as being a little bit too young. Is SpongeBob SquarePants the type of thing that will always touch in the place of heart of millennials? Because I know you love to touch on the influences of millennials in our society. Do you think this is one of the things as they were growing up, maybe that they looked to as far as an icon that represented some ideals that maybe they were able to go ahead and think more about in life as far as from a humor standpoint? Yeah, well, look at it this way. Like I look at SpongeBob and it does have a sort of diversity to it. Like you have a you have a starfish and a squid and a, a sponge and a squirrel all living in a community of fish. That was interesting to me. And whether anyone took that away from it, I, I don't know. But what was great about SpongeBob is that it's kind of the first cartoon to not be all kitty. It was the first hybrid of something where kids enjoy it and parents also enjoy it. You know, there's there's something in there for the kids, but it's at above a certain in level of intellect that the kids wouldn't get it, but the parents would get it. So it's kind of the first cartoon of that kind. And I think for that reason, it it stands out uh, as well as like many of the, the classic episodes that people I know still quote today. So I always found that fascinating. And yeah, it does. It, it has had a huge cultural impact on our society in ways that, you know, the office and uh, Parks and Rec and you know, even some of the, like the, the Marvel films have had, I think SpongeBob is definitely up there in, in terms of what will and won't be remembered by people. I just feel like right now we should be going and maybe heading down over to the Krusty Krab for some food. And I just, you know, it just feels so bad as far as maybe this series could have gone on longer. Maybe the show could have gone on longer. Maybe there could have been more added to the SpongeBob SquarePants. I know here in Vegas, there are certain attractions that SpongeBob SquarePants is a part of as far as from a 4D perspective. I know there's still remnants of SpongeBob SquarePants that kids still identify with. And young and old, a lot of people seem to know and be aware of, of what impact and what legacy and what type of success SpongeBob SquarePants had on us as a society for many, many years when it was reaching its peak on Nick, what, late 90s, early 2000s or whatnot. So definitely sad to hear about the death of Steven Hillerberg. And it's just knowing that his work, though, will live on. We can kind of take solace in that. And that SpongeBob SquarePants, for all intents and purposes, will go down, like you said, as one of the most memorable and historic cartoon series of all time. I want to hear your thoughts out there on SpongeBob SquarePants. Unfortunately, the creator, Steven Hilleberg, passed away at the age of 57. What do you think the legacy of his creation, SpongeBob SquarePants, should be? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Any last thoughts again on the way out, my friend? It's been a great show. So many new listeners, so many new subscribers. We cannot thank enough to everyone for doing so. Yeah, thank you so much. And definitely check out our Vegas event. We do put a lot of effort into this podcast and our website at www.popculturecosmos.com. You know, we're not just the after work, crack open a beer and podcast enthusiasts. We, are, we actually put a lot of journalism and thought and research into the stuff that we talk about and do. So we appreciate seeing that the work's paying off. 
share, like, comment, subscribe, spread the word, spread the podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And also, again, be sure to check out our website at www.popculturecosmos.com. That's right. It's popculturecosmos.com indeed. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.